Good afternoon, Ann Arbor. You've got living writers. I'm T. Hetzel, and today on the program, couldn't be more ecstatic than to have Nami Moon here in the studio. <laughs> That's right. The crowd roars. Nami, welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having me, T. Welcome back to the the um, the the station that has welcomed you once before. Before I even had a book deal. Before the book, you were kind enough to come on and read a couple of because you'd oh, had a story. Come on, you were kind story. enough to have me on. Come on. Uh, we'll argue about that later. <laughs> <laughs> but Nami Moon is in town. Um, I should say. It's uh, we're taping this program. It's January twentieth, two thousand nine. We um, have a new president. And, and amen, hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> We've got a new president. It's been a big day, yes. um, and the day just keeps getting better and better because um, Nami's in town to read. So hopefully, some of you listening um, caught her reading at Shaman Drum. Um, and for those of you who didn't. That's a sad thing, but I've got some a consolation prize. We've got Riverhead was kind enough to send five books, Nami. Oh, so great. the first five people, the first uh, the first five emails I get. Um, to livingwriters at wcbn.org will get a signed copy of uh, Nami Moon's book, Wow, Miles from Nowhere. What if I'm one of the first five? Do I get my own copy? <laughs> <That's right>. Okay. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I no. should say, friends and family, was that little tagline yeah. can't apply to this if you're related you're to anyone qualified. with Coca-Cola or <laughs> Nami Moon, if you've been, yeah. Um, but anyway, this is so the book is Miles from Nowhere, a novel, um, Nami Moon. Just the book is just out um, this this winter. Yeah, Nami. January second. And you've been on the road in this country right. since then, basically. From January fifth on, I've and, been traveling. And before that, you were in Europe yes. because the book was released in a strange twist of fate in France first. Yeah, right? they were kind enough. Uh, Riverhead was kind enough to allow other. It, the book is sold in uh, other European countries, um, but France wanted to publish it in September of '08, and so it already it's already out in in French. We. Oui. <laughs> Wait, 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 and that explains why you're here with your beret and your baguette. <laughs> uh, well, before wait, before okay, we I need to clarify. I am not wearing a beret. No, Nami Moon is always um, the height of fashion. Not that there's anything against berets, but um, they all they have their place, right? Um, so now I'll read your your bio from okay. the back of Miles from Nowhere. Um, Nami Moon was born in Seoul, South Korea, and grew up there and in the Bronx, New York. She has worked as a door-to-door -door Avon lady, a street vendor, an activities coordinator for a nursing home, a photojournalist, a bartender, and a criminal investigator. A graduate of UC Berkeley, she received her MFA from the University of Michigan, where she garnered a Hopwood Award for fiction and the Farrar Prize for drama. Moon has received a Pushcart Prize, as well as scholarships from the Corporation of Yaddo and the McDowell Colony. Her work has been published in the 2007 Pushcart Prize Anthology, The Iowa Review, Tin House, Evergreen Review Witness, and other journals. Um, she currently teaches creative writing at Columbia College Chicago. Um, Nami, that and that's set to start on the twenty sixth next Monday. That's well, the, right, January twenty mm -hmm. sixth. Yeah, right? I've actually already met a few of my future students. They came to my reading in Chicago, and they were so adorable. They were 
really excited about the class, and I told him I was excited, too. So was, we kind of bonded already. Oh, that's great. And yeah. So you'll be teaching a fiction workshop? Is that what? Yeah, a fiction workshop, and also I'm teaching a... Um, uh, it's a craft course. They call it um, critical reading and writing, and I'm teaching a novel and stories class. Yeah. So, and who will you give us? Like, who are you going to be reading in the class? Do you want to, or is that still yeah. sort of being no, sorted no, no, out? No, no, no. I've, I've gotten it. I sorted it out a long time ago. But I told, I promised my students that I wouldn't let other people know before I let them know. I felt like it was fair that I let them know first. So I don't want to say it on air now. <laughs> okay, fair is fair. Um, so, but if you're interested, you can go and find Nami's syllabus somewhere. <laughs> um, so, so Nami, you so you've been on the road in this country. What are um, you've just come from Atlanta? Right. What are you've been to Seattle? What are some of the other places Seattle, that you've been on tour? Yeah, I started off in Portland, uh, Seattle, San Francisco, Powell's books. Powell's books. Yes, wonderful uh, bookstore, and the people who were there. They, they were so kind to me. And the same thing with Elliott Bay. Um, they were really um, just, I don't know, I just felt really welcomed in these bookstores, independent bookstores. Um, so definitely, please, uh, if you're listening, feel free to support these guys. Um, so both of them sell online, too. Yes, that's well. right. And then I went to San Francisco and Los Angeles. And So was uh, it, how was that, home, like a homecoming of sorts, going to California? Yeah. Right? San Francisco was really great. Um, they put out 15 chairs, and I think something like 90 people showed up. And all of my friends were there, and they were mostly friends and family and stuff. And people from, like, two or three or four jobs ago showed up. So that was really, really nice. Yeah. That I must know. have been kind of overwhelming in some ways. This is a big, so it's it's a book tour and you're out there connecting with new audiences, but yeah, it's like a this is your life segment in some ways. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like. <laughs> no, it was great to see everyone. Um, I mean, it was just sort of nice to you know, meet people who, you know, are complete strangers and they've already read the book and have them talk to me about my book. It's, you know, it's like the the biggest honor, you know, I, I felt really sort of, um, I don't know, it was a little, I had feelings of like enormous gratefulness. Um, and then to see all my friends and, and family, uh, Gus's, you know, parents were there and uh, Gus is my boyfriend. Gus Rose. Gus Rose. Writer. Who, writer, teacher, good boyfriend. Boy, good boyfriend. <laughs> amazing writer. Um, and so it was just, it did feel like a little bit of a, a reunion of sorts. And even in Portland and Seattle, I mean, all these other cities, friends and friends of friends came out to support. And I, I want to thank all of them right now. Because, you know, yeah, I'm a nobody. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> Nami Moon, somebody. <laughs> that should be on my business card. <laughs> we can just, like, pencil it yeah. in out there. Somebody at gmail.com. Right? <laughs> I wonder if that is taken. <laughs> and, and Nami, also, how is the... Um, there's lots of, it seems like there's lots of stuff on um, the web about you as well, like Goodreads, Amazon, there's this sort of um, upswelling of new community, virtual community too. So are you having, um, are you doing any of that where you're sort of corresponding with people um, via blogs or like on, yeah. I've, I've done a, f a few interviews, you know, via email, you know, while I've been traveling and before the tour started and I've done some phone interviews. So those have been really great because I think, 
you know, because I try after, at every reading, I try and ask them, you know, how did you hear about this reading? And they'll tell me it's from such and such blog, or they read about me in some some website, you know, some literary website. So, you know, I, I, I'm really grateful that I'm, you know, I'm getting any attention. So it's it's great. Yeah. So far, the showings, the readings have been really, really um, well turned out. And, and how is it going? Do you read? How do you decide what you're going to read? Are you sort of always changing it up? And Well, I have this. I, I didn't know this about myself, obviously, because I, I haven't done that many readings. But um, this is my first book. So, um, But I it turns out that I really um, don't like excerpting things too much. I feel... Like I'm only giving you, like giving the reader, uh, the audience, like an arm instead of the whole, whole thing. Yeah, that's and so, kind of grim, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, <laughs> it's one appendage. Yeah, and so um, luckily I have a chapter that's exactly 17 minutes, which turns out to be the best reading piece. And um, so I've been reading that for the most part. Sometimes if I feel that you know I have more time, I read. I've been reading a longer piece, but usually just sort of between those two things. You must be learning so many new things, like things that, what's the, can, can, are you able to say what's the most unexpected thing that you've sort of come to during this time? During the tour? Yeah. Um, well, well, contrary to popular belief, um, it's touring. I mean, it's been great. I've been having so much fun and you know, you have to believe me, like it's been great. Um, but I don't think I was prepared for the sleep deprivation part of it. <laughs> and so I end up saying really loopy things. <laughs> My brain isn't functioning as well as it should be. But I think for the most part, that's the only thing that I, I didn't I didn't know to expect. It's but, all part of the charm, not Yeah. <laughs> Just loopy anyway. <laughs> I was loopy to begin with, and now I'm really loopy. <laughs> no. and, but, but it is interesting because the last time you're you're one of the you're the exception to the living writers um sort of the the um I don't know the rules if there are rules for a show like this right <laughs> um because you're coming on um again right. uh, twice so this is this is exciting but it's interesting because it was before you had the book so I feel like we're yeah. still sort of within the, the parameters <laughs> but when we were for the last program, we talked about your writing process and what, um, and I was kind of shocked to think that, wow, like eight hours a day was not something unheard of for you. No. So, well, let's take a short break and okay. then when we come back, let's start with that, Nami. That sounds good. Okay. You're listening to Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. Today on the program, Nami Moon, Miles from Nowhere. We'll be back.
If you're just tuning in, you've got Living Writers on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Um, I'm T. Hetzel, and today on the program, Nami Moon, her novel, Miles from Nowhere. Um, I could just listen through and through to that song. (laughs) (laughs) Our little, our middle school dance number. (laughs) We were dancing just a second ago. You guys didn't see us, but... Sometimes it's just really too bad we don't have video streaming through this place. Sometimes. So, yeah, exactly. um, so Nami, let's go to where we left off. The, your your writing process, it must be, it, when you enter into something like this, this tour, you know it's going to be arduous, even though you don't know quite the sl- sleep deprivation that you're in for. <laughs> but um, how do you prepare for that as, um, as a writer? Are you thinking, I'm just going to, Discont- like you're not going to be anxious about working, uh, writing, or well, how do you approach it? Since you're a writer who works right. and you, eight hours a day, no stranger to that right. as a writing process. So what? how are you coping with that? Is it on hold? Well, I, um, it's the writing is definitely on hold while I'm on tour because I literally don't have... There's no way. The headspace. Yeah, there's just, you know, you're just sort of trying to catch up on sleep most of the time. But as far as, you know, going up in front of an audience and doing a reading or doing interviews and, you know, I mean, I know you and you and I are friends, but, you know, sometimes, you know, most of the interviews I've done, they were all strangers. And and my attitude uh, with that has been just, um, I just sort of imagine myself punching in my time card, you know, into my clock. I'm, I'm going to work. This is, you know, this is part of, uh, part of writing, a part of publishing. You have to work, and you have to show up, and you have to do a good job, and you know that kind of stuff. You're an and, ambassador for the book, right? Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I try and have fun wherever I go, so that's that part's not a problem. <laughs> so, I mean, it's been really, really great. I have, I have zero. Com- there's no complaint whatsoever, and I, I'm just so grateful that anyone even shows up for my readings. So Nami, are you gonna? Are you? Do you carry around one of those pocket-sized notebooks, and so you're scribbling things in it at random moments, or just sort of? Because I know you I have projects be- on, I the, on the deck. You, I can't believe you just said that because I I started off with a little tiny notebook, a little journal, and I uh, before I went on the tour, I made like every page a new day of my tour. I knew what city I was going to be in, and my goal was to write a little bit about each day. You know, just things that had happened. No matter what it was. No matter what it was. And I did the same thing while I was in Europe, when I was doing my little tour and reading stuff in in Europe. Um, So Portland was the first one. And, you know, after that reading, I I had crazy things happen in Portland. But anyway, that's a different story. But uh, so I wrote stuff down. um, And then a couple of days ago, I found the journal again and I flipped through since then, I have not had a single moment to write anything down in the journal. So it's a blank journal, except for that first page. Yeah. And, and all the markings of where you are. <laughs> yeah. So at least the skeleton is there. Right. Oh, man. I totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They. I mean, I'm definitely working. You know, the day starts at like 5 a.m. in the morning, and then it goes on till, you know, way past the reading. So... But it's been all fun so far. Well, well, let's um, let's talk a little bit about the book. Do okay. Because um, do you are, do you have sort of a, a, a streamlined way of setting up the the story of June? Sure. Nami? I mean, June is like a, she's a Korean American teenager who is a runaway um, in New York during the 1980s, and 
the book follows her. She's the narrator, and she's the central character. And the book follows her for approximately five years um, as she sort of makes these sudden, fast friendships, as she tries to make a living doing whatever odd jobs that she can possibly get, um, as she falls and, and, and sort of downward uh, spirals uh, downward toward drug addiction and homelessness, and, and, and um, she goes to jail at some point. But, um, you know, it sounds really bleak the way I'm describing it right now, but it's actually, if you know, for me, it's actually a very hopeful, hopeful book because, uh, to me, June is a very strong character. And, and she, she comes through. And she comes through in the end. And so I hope I didn't just ruin the book for everybody. Oh, right. Oh, sorry. Wait, no, you don't know. <laughs> well, you don't know how she does it. Right. Exactly. It's all about the how. It right? is. It's all about the how. Um, and so, I, I mean, the, it's, what's interesting is that the more I answer like questions after readings, the more I'm finding out things that I really kind of um, hadn't acknowledged myself about the book, things that I hadn't realized that, oh, yeah, you know, maybe I did feel that way. Maybe subconsciously I meant to do this and kind of thing. So it's been really what's, interesting. What can, you, what's, can you off the cuff say an example of that? I've had so many. It's hard for me to remember right now, but it was more to do with like, um, you know, as a writer, you try not to think so much about agendas and messages. And, and specific, you know, for me specifically, I definitely don't uh, like that kind of writing. Um, I like showing people a scene, and I like the gap uh, that the scene allows uh, for readers to sort of enter enter in and interact with that scene, and they are the ones who have to sort of fill in the gaps a little bit. And um, I didn't realize until this, this tour how important that philosophy is for me. I mean, I really want, like, my ideal reader is someone who meets me halfway, 50%, you know, I, I give you 50% and you, you meet me the other half way. And, um, and I realized a lot of books, you know, the, the reader is required maybe 10 or 20% of engagement. And I think for me, I, I would really prefer my reader to read between the lines, not just read between the lines, but, and not just about not just read what is on the page, but what's not on the page. What June is not saying sometimes, and what June doesn't do. Um, and so I'm, I'm I'm just sort of thinking about that now, and kind of interesting for me to like. I didn't realize that I really wanted that kind of a reader. That is interesting, isn't it? Because you think of. I don't know, because when you were teaching here at Michigan, Nami, you had like the English 124, 125, the creative writing classes. Right. And, and, you're th and, and thinking about s students, and I, I don't, I, I'm not sure how many people are ready for that commitment. Right. Right? Of coming, or knowing that that's part of what reading can be. Right. Or just, no, not, I mean, sometimes you, you know, with my students, there were, I mean, I've had really good luck with my students. I love them all, which is kind of a rare thing for a teacher to say. But um, I, I just felt like that in some ways we have to teach students how to read. And it's, it, I don't want it to be a passive um, 
you know, um, act for them. I want it to be a proactive, really interactive, and just sort of um, aggressive act. <laughs> when did you have that realization for your own reading? I had it a few days. I was trying to, I don't know exactly. I mean, it's one of those, you know, I stayed up late and I was just, I couldn't sleep. And I was thinking about my work and I was thinking about, you know, somebody had asked me a question, I guess. But I was just thinking about how, um, we don't, not that many um, people talk about reading being an act, you know, like an actual proactive, you know, behavior. I don't want uh, reading to be like television. I don't want my readers to uh, just sit there and wait for me to, or my narrator to tell them every single thing. Or I how want, to feel about Or it. how to feel about something. I mean, it's, it's so not um, integral for this book that June... June can't possibly tell you everything. She's it's a first person narrator and she's a teenager and just by that alone and she's a runaway and she's have, having issues with drugs. She is not a reliable narrator and she can't be relied upon to tell you everything and all of her feelings. She's kind of a certainly a, not balanced, some sort of balanced right. perspective. Yeah, and she's kind of a reticent narrator anyway and she's kind of uh, trying to deal with her own emotions so she wouldn't know everything about herself. And so I guess my ideal reader is someone who can see beyond what she tells them, you know. Have you had that relationship with writers that you've read? Um, like oh. maybe some of your influences or like... Or oh, definitely. Write, like I, who? Mean, I mean, the person that I'm thinking of right now is uh, Bruno Schultz. He's a Polish writer. He's long past gone. Um, he's passed on a while ago. Um, he actually had a very tragic death, but we'll, we'll go into that another time. But um, he has a a novella, or I guess you, some people call it a novel, some people call it a, a you know, episode, whatever you want to call it. It's called uh, The Street of Crocodiles. And for me, that, I mean, every single sentence in that book, I felt like there was a tiny movie inside each sentence. The metaphors were just so amazing, so cinematic. Um, and just, there is no such thing as an inanimate object in that book. Everything has life. Um, the, the table, the way he describes it, the verbs are just, it has so much motion and so much movement and drama. Um, I don't necessarily write like him, but I definitely appreciate his writing style. And I feel like that's the way how he describes certain, the, the, the narrator, that's the way he uses objects and colors and the weather and and maps and and to describe to show how he actually feels without actually saying I feel like this or you know and to me that's a much more interesting way of reading it's it's about getting at the truth of something but in a more indirect manner and it allows the reader to actually read into things and think for themselves try and guess what the the narrator is trying to tell them. And isn't it interesting that you've kind of, it seems like gradually, even if it's something that's been part of your core subconsciously, 
this is it's you're putting it into you're able to articulate it now it's almost becoming this philosophy of writing yeah because you've uh, always it's always been about the sentence level for you i would say because you really just you revise and revise and revise nami right right (laughs) (laughs) i know i'm not a writer i'm a reviser so your writing is very concentrated yeah you know like orange juice concentrate in a way yeah (laughs) i mean you know i i definitely um would love it I mean, I, I, you know, hopefully my sentences allow for a lot of unpacking for the reader to sort of not just gloss it over, but I mean, I put a lot of time. I mean, it took me eight years to write 215 manuscript pages. So that makes me the slowest writer uh, known to mankind. Uh, that, you know, if I had written a 500-page novel, that would have been something else. But no, it was 215 manuscript pages. So, I mean, I took a lot of care into my sentences. Um and so hopefully, you know, somebody will notice that and sort of unpack and unravel some of the sentences. And well, I think they are noticing. Yay. I think they are. Um, let's take a short break okay. and we'll be back. And then we'll hear a portion of your writing, if that's okay, from the book. Okay, that sounds okay. good. <laughs> it's part of the deal. Um, today, Living Writers uh, features Nami Moon and her work, a novel, Miles from Nowhere. I'm T. Hetzel. We'll be back.
Welcome back. You're listening to Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. And today, Nami Moon and her book, Miles from Nowhere. Um, we just had a little Hey Joe there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, T. Hey, Nami. So um, hopefully you're enjoying each of these songs picked by Nami Moon. Um, so, uh, so Nami, let's, yes. do you mind, let's hear a bit okay. of Miles from Nowhere. Okay, I'm going to read you a a very short section from a chapter called King's Manor. And at this point of the book, June, our, our central character, our narrator, she's, I don't know, she's been through the ringer, let's just say. She's um, uh, had a, a lot of uh, traumatic experiences and she's trying to sort of climb her way out of it. And uh, she's trying to um, stop using heroin and she's gotten herself a job as an assistant to the acti- uh, assistant to the activities coordinator for a nursing home that's called King's Manor. Um, so I'm just going to read you a little bit of that. I sat on the park bench next to Ray, who was missing a leg. Winter was falling on us, on the shoulders of his faded army jacket, the metal rims of his wheelchair, the folded New York Yankees blanket covering his stump. Pushing his bare foot against the sidewalk, he rolled closer to the pigeons pecking at the snow. He couldn't wear shoes because his foot was too swollen, the skin around it tight and flaking. I wanted to slice it open for him, to let the pressure out. I wanted to free his veins. I'd stopped shooting up and was working at a small nursing home. Except for my first name, I lied about everything on the job application. Nobody at work knew the real me, including Ray, the only person I ever talked to, though never about my past. He was a patient. He didn't have any family. You want one? He asked, shaking his cigarette pack so a filter shot up. I took it. He caped the side of his jacket over his face to shield the flame from the wind. I lit mine off his. Most of his teeth were gone. When he took a drag, his lips curled into his mouth. They're cutting it off this week, he said, tossing crumbs to the birds by his foot. I feigned ignorance, a new talent of mine. He patted his good leg. The blister's gone bad and the infection's spreading. He coughed and spat, turning his head, head away from me and the birds. They're letting me keep the knee this time, though. That's good, I said. Knees are good. Somewhere far away, a small dog was barking. Ray didn't blink. He let the tears fill his eyes. I wished he would cry, really loud, just so both of us could get past wondering whether he was going to or not. Now one's going to be shorter than the other, he said, and wiped his nose on his wrist. I wanted to tell him not to worry about that because his legs weren't the same length to begin with, since one was a stump, but I couldn't think of a way to say it without sounding cruel or stupid. I still miss the other one, ten years, and it still itches sometimes. I know, I said. Is that so? He glanced at me sideways, his sarcasm pinching the corners of his lips. Where do you feel it? I asked, feeling the need to make up for something. He pointed his cigarette down at his invisible calf. Drives me nuts. 
Can you imagine having an itch you can never scratch? I was about to say yes, but thought better of it and told him no. We'll try. Just try and imagine it. Okay, I said. A little later, I said, Sometimes I feel an itch deep in my ears, but I can't get to it. He tossed his cigarette over the birds. Yep, he said. It's just like that. Only now, take away the head. Thank you, Nami. Thank you. It's it's great how you read it so that it's um, the, the pacing of it. You, you give us time to be in. It's almost like there's these the phrasing of it you can hear. Whereas when people are reading it, I wonder, like, wait, y- yeah, there's no way to control it. <laughs> no. Better slow down there, little Johnny. <laughs> Don't turn that page so fast. I think, I, well, I mean, I have to admit, I do, I do everything slowly. So it doesn't surprise me that I read slow. I eat slowly. I walk slowly. I write slowly. I, you know. And so it doesn't surprise me that I read slowly. But really, I think it's because sometimes I still have, um, I should tell people, you know, English is my second language. And so sometimes, uh, you know, when I'm a little tired or something, my pronunciation doesn't come out right or something. So that's partly why I read really slowly. Well, it, it it fits. The, it's good. I bet it's. I bet everyone appreciates it too, because they can actually, when they go to a reading, they'll have like a full experience of it. Yeah, so. I, mean, I, that w- I mean, that would <clears throat> that would be great if if my re- you know audience could actually like take in the image that I'm trying to create with my words. Um, and so, I mean, if I read slowly and and, and that helps, then uh, then that's great. Um. So Nami, yes. with, with the um, the characters you were you mentioned earlier or alluded to the the eight years in, in the making for the two hundred and fifteen pages manuscript pages manuscript pages three hundred and four in the real in book the, in the real book okay <laughs> not that I'm counting no oh no <laughs> we won't do that here uh, no <laughs> um, no numbers on living writers <laughs> letters words. Um, so how is it to 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 because I would think that you're always then inhabiting these characters June mostly right. but then this whole world that you've made um, this setting in the 80s <laughs> even a different era in a way this is historical fiction <laughs> <laughs> I don't think a historical novelist would like you calling me that uh, well <laughs> email me at livingwriters at wcbn.org with beefs yeah. but um but but so how is it to then because right now you're still living with them as you're going right. around on tour um but what are you going to, how will you live without them? What's that going to be like? Is it going to be sort of a relief? What will, I, what will you be writing? Well, it's, it's weird because, um, you know, when I was working on this book, this book actually doesn't include, um, the final chapter in this book is actually not the final chapter that I wrote. The final chapter that I wrote was actually another 60 pages of, uh, of stuff. And, um, I had this idea that you know I wanted the book to end with a, a beginning of sorts, and and so I wrote the sixty pages, and I liked you know they were good, they were good pages, and it was interesting. The writing I was pretty happy with, um, but then I realized oh that's actually for a different book. It's actually not for this book, and but I needed to write those pages to know that I was done with this book. Um, 
and I really, I just needed to confirm it for myself. And so I'm really glad that I wrote those pages. But I don't know if there is such a thing. I mean, I knew that I should stop writing this book. Whether I'm actually done with this book is a different... Because um, on what level, right? Being yeah, done. yeah. I mean, these characters kind of, you know, I'm sure, like, for instance, in my new project that I'm working on, I was writing this male character who's, you know, uh, young, late teens, 18, 19 or something. And I kind of realized that it might actually be Wink, who's a minor character in this book, uh, but like another version, an older version of Wink. And of course, he's not named Wink, but, you know, and I was thinking, gosh, I wonder, you know, it's true what some writers say that certain characters just sort of stay with you and I wouldn't have known that it was going to be Wink. I think June I feel like I've really sort of explored her as much as I could um, and she's done you know as far as I'm concerned she's you know her character is you know remains in this book and I don't think it'll she'll revisit us in any other book but um, or, or revisit me in any other book but you know there are certain characters like Wink to me even though she's he's a minor character in this book to me, he's the most, if not the most, uh, yeah, I think, he, yeah, definitely, he's the most vulnerable. Um, he's... In his uh, members-only jacket. In his members-only jacket, and he's, to me, he's so innocent and also kind of uh, weak in a way that June June seems weak, but she's actually very strong. And I must, my heart, I think, is still with Wink. And so maybe I need to sort of further, you know, explore him somehow, but in a different version. So I don't know, like, done, what done actually means. I mean, you know, just even the passage that I read to you, I was thinking, oh, I should really change that word or something like that, you know. And so maybe for the paperback, they'll let me edit some more. <laughs> my, you know, my editor, you know, they, I, oh, the other thing that happened was, uh, you know, I was done with the book. I submitted it to my editor. Um, she had some suggestions. And then I sat with it for a little bit, and I emailed her and my agent um, and told them, you know, don't be alarmed, but I'm going to actually write another chapter for it. And they both wrote back something like, you know, the book is done. It's really finished. I don't think you should mess with it, blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay. And then I just went ahead and did it anyway. And Well, because it shouldn't be a collaborative project. I mean, this is I think they the just writer. thought I was going to overwrite it. I think they thought I was going to ruin it. And, and you right. know, and I could totally understand where they're coming from. To them, it was done, you know. But... I, I just knew, I knew exactly what I wanted to include. And and so what was that? What was that, it's that this, part? It's a chapter called Nothing About Love or Pity. Oh, dear, yes. Um, and it's a very short chapter, but I felt it was... It's the second story. Yeah, and I just, I felt like it was absolutely necessary that I just... I, couldn't get you know for me I don't really defy that many people I I usually well okay maybe that's <laughs> T is looking at me very strangely um, but I just felt really strongly about it and so I, I just didn't I didn't say anything but I just included it in there and then luckily they both agreed that it was you know integral to the book and you know they signed off on it um, but I'm really you know again it's like you don't know when you think it's finished. Um, other people can't tell you when something is finished. I think you yourself as the author, you have to know, like, this is the most I can write about this book. And so, 
And and so it's so interesting that part of it was those sixty pages that may become another project. No, I think form, I think or, it was just, that's just that's away. just gone. That's yeah. just gone. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just needed to write it so that I no. to know that this was done, yeah. kind of. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned this nothing about love or pity and it's so um I mean, there's so there's so many brutal brutal moments. It's not a it. pleasant chapter, no. No, no. That's why it says nothing about <laughs> love or pity. You know, yeah. Pay attention, and you might know what's coming, right? Sometimes, especially after that's coming from shelter, which is that introductory, that the kind of a broad sweeping right. um, chapter, and possibly the most hopeful kind of. They're still innocent, and they're still young, and they're still. Um, very much closer to uh, very much like children still and then as the book progresses you know they enter a much tougher world yes without uh, the hot chocolate as much no no ovaltine no no hot chocolate no marshmallows well we'll let's we'll hear a little bit more about nami moon's book miles from nowhere when we come back listening to Living Writers on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. I'm T. Hetzel, and today, Nami Moon, Miles from Nowhere. But here we are in the studio. <laughs> um, also, I love that title, Nami. Um, and I remember us talking about it a while back and how, like, and, and, and hearing. Do you want to tell us a little yeah. bit how you um, came up with this title? Sure. Because, and 
I mean, I can't take full credit because it's actually a Cat Stevens song called Miles from Nowhere. And Cat Stevens, uh, some of his song lyrics are sung in the, in this book. Um, but it actually, I mean, the, the reason why I chose that is because a friend of mine who was, uh, her name is MJ, and she was in my writer's workshop in Berkeley, California, and she read one of my stories and she said something that I hadn't even thought about, which was um, she had no idea that kids from one borough in New York could run away to another borough and not be found and st- and stay lost. And so I was thinking, I started thinking about that and I was thinking how June, who is in, you know, in New York City, which is a city of everything. It has, you're supposedly, you have access to culture and literature and music and food and, you know, all of these things and people and diversity. And here's June right in the middle of it. And she doesn't have access to any of these things. And she doesn't really, she feels so disconnected and so alienated and isolated in this world I mean, she felt that way at home, but she feels even more so on the streets uh, in some ways. And she's in the city of everything, but so far away from where she needs to be. And, you know, miles from nowhere is like a phrase that you might say if you're in like some, I don't know, some farmland somewhere and there's nothing else around. But the irony is she is surrounded by everything, but she actually feels completely like she's alone. Um, So that's where the title came from. That's, and that's that's yeah that's great that's yeah. um and it's it's sort of um in nowhere being in the title it's kind of giving you that sense of it's going to be um there's going to be some grim moments there's some bleakness in here yeah. um but then there is this like i don't know if this was your word redemption within it but i feel like that's also that's attributed like, or that people talk about. People have said that this. word. I mean, I definitely think it's. I mean, she. I mean, she definitely is a survivor in many ways, and she. I don't know if she. I mean, she does sort of redeem herself in the sense that she comes out of this world that she's, you know, fallen into, and almost acknowledging something about um, loving others. Like, yeah. so it's it's almost there's. It's not as if she's excusing herself from anything she's actually really hard on herself as a character i would say yeah and i mean i mean i don't want to ruin the book for people but toward the end i mean she leaves a certain kind of she she understands that she's suffered certain kind of trauma either you know physical and emotional but then one of her um the path that she goes on to to lead a more normal life involves unraveling and dealing with other uh, more sort of uh, family traumas that she had left behind and dealing with the guilt of of her mother and having left behind her mother um so it's a different path i mean it's a it's a better path definitely but it's it's certainly not um you know a happy go lucky ending no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't don't expect that yeah. <laughs> not this time around. Um, and so, so you you mentioned um, June and her relationship with her mother mm-hmm. Nami. Um, was that you? You wrote three. There were three original stories that were self-contained. Right. When you when you began, right. Without knowing what the future held. Yeah, I mean, actually, the three. I mean, I I I really love the short story format, and I think that's. It's probably my default mode as a writer. And so I started off with, with Club Orchid, which is a chapter in the book. And, and 
and then I wrote another self-contained story and another one. So, and, and I started noticing a trend between all three, which was that she, in each each story, she was trying, she was doing some job, some weird job, where she was trying to make a living. And then that's when I realized, oh, okay, these these self-contained pieces. It's great that they're self-contained, but they could be working toward uh, a larger narrative about this runaway girl, and. And then at that point, as I said before, um, uh, that's when I made a crucial decision to keep the episodic structure of the novel because I felt like it would betray June uh, as a character if I wrote like a fluid, traditional novel structure. I, to me, the fractured quality of an episodic novel better portrays her mindset and better portrays the jagged struggle that she goes through. And I want the reader to have a visceral uh, reaction when they're reading these, uh, you know, these chapters that, that sort of stop and start not so much in trend. You know, there's not much in the way of transition. Um, but that's the way I think life is, is sometimes. <laughs> it doesn't transition so nicely. So it's an effect that I was trying to go for, and, you know, hopefully the readers... And the breaks are necessary. Now, to, to me, the breaks are very necessary. sense of it. Yeah. For example, in the, in the chapter King's Manor, um, you, you open with June sitting next to Ray, um, but it's but but then what what is the story that precedes it? It's the Avon story, isn't it? No, it's not. It's Frank. Hold yeah. on. Let's sorry, paging no, paging no, along right. here. We need some paging through the book music. <laughs> la, la, la. Um, beca- because Frank, it's, yeah, she's at um, a Narcotics Anonymous Anonymous meeting with uh, Frank, uh, who's a, another fast friend that she makes. Yes, and friend is could be even in quotation marks, right. really, right? <laughs> or I don't know. Um, but so, so that would be that's what's interesting because she we have June with this kind of intense moment with Frank, but then the next it's the huge break, right? New chapter, and she's trying to sort of lead a more. You see her, you know, trying her best to lead a more normal life by ha- holding down a job, and so. You know, to me, gaps are really important because it allows the reader to sort of put in their imagination into the book. Um, but um, the gaps have to be treated very carefully, obviously, and they're very. So I'm very selective about where the gaps are. And I guess, I mean, you know, my ideal reader would sort of notice that about my writing and 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 pay attention to not just what I write on the page, but what I don't write on the page. Does that make sense? That yes. sounds a little writerly, but <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, that's what you're exactly allowed to say on being writers. <laughs> Maybe. Um, and you've been and, and you've been talking about the book, Nami. You've been on like the Minnesota Public Radio. You've been Yeah. Um, is there is there anything that that you've been unprepared for when people have sort of sprung that on you or, or do you feel like, um, no, I have to say everyone has been really kind to me and, and to the book and the reception of the book has been really great. And, um, no, I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, something about having been an ex runaway or some, or having been a, you know, a runaway and, and all the crazy jobs I've held and, and really just, you know, even teaching and dealing with students and, you know, handling all of their sort of questions and, and needs and desires and such. You know, I, I felt pretty prepared 
I also did a, a lot of campus interview. I did a campus interview, and I and now I'm teach. I'm a I'm on a, for a tenure track position, and in Chicago, and I just feel I felt like I think you know, my my life in it in and of itself was a good preparation for being on the road and talking to a, you know many different kinds of people, answering very different kinds of questions, you know, going to big bookstores and small bookstores, and you know, and just traveling in all these different states and trying to decipher different accents and stuff like that. I mean, I think I felt pretty um, comfortable um, during this tour. I, I didn't feel too out of, uh, I didn't feel like a fish out of water. So it's all, and it, the tour is almost over. It's almost it's, it's over. It's wrapping up. And so what, ha- what happens? You go back obviously to Chicago, you're going to be teaching, but with the writing, like what sort of, um, uh, are you allowing yourself like to, to roam widely with, with ideas? <laughs> like what, what's kind of coming to you or what's interesting you at the moment well, for writing? I, luckily I was able to start two new projects before I went on the tour. And one of them, I can already tell it's taking a back seat because I'm not talking about it as much and the other one I think uh, I'll probably tackle it first and it's um you know when I was a, a criminal defense investigator uh, I became and I think I was always interested in criminology and, and cr- crime in general and not just the act itself but um, all the emotions that are involved in 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 a in committing a crime so um, my next project is a sort of a very tightly linked short story collection about one crime. Um, in no way is that a, it's, it's not a thriller. I don't want you to think it's a whodunit. Um, <laughs> but it's more just about emotional culpability uh, as a society. And that's really interesting because it feels like that's what you're writing that's what will carry through from this project, or maybe all. Maybe it's always it's in everything you write that you're you're, you're striving towards the emotional honesty. Yeah. Of, of something. Yeah, and, but yeah. trying to sort of relay that emotional truth about something or some incident or some character, but doing it in- indirectly, you know, through the color of the sky, or you know, through you know. The temperature. I don't know. I just, I like writing fiction. I like writing, um, you know, I like making up um, narratives. Yes. It's almost as if like with your, with your life, I think there was in one article I read about you where they said it wouldn't be a stretch to say that Nami Moon hasn't had, you know, uh, a normal life or something like, you know, like that. So it's interesting because it's as if you have all these drawers of different things that you can go to for, for, um, like sort of from a, like as a dive, like they can be all diving boards or something. Let's just to mix every, all the metaphors up here. <laughs> but it's not like you're going to write about, Oh, this is my day one as a criminal investigator. Or this is when I went into this building to serve the subpoena. You know, it's right. not going to be, you know, I, I did mean, write that story. It's a funny one. I wrote a, con- <laughs> it was supposed to be a funny story a long time ago. I wrote about serving a subpoena to a, Oh, and that different disguises I had to wear to serve the subpoena and how awful I felt after I, I think ser- we talked about this oh in Old God. Town once. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It was awful. And, you know, it, it was fine. It was, it was called something like how to serve a subpoena without getting impaled. And it was, you know, but it was more of like a, a how to. Yeah, it was, it was actually a how to. Um, but um, I mean, I just I, I, I mean, I'm glad that I've, you know, I. Of course, I think my life is completely boring, but or I, it's normal, or it's normal. But I acknowledge that I've had 
you know, varied experiences where, you know, um, and I, I acknowledge that I have certain emotions that I can tap into because of those experiences, and I'm grateful for that. I'm glad I didn't have a, a perfectly straight, normal life, even though, you know, it wasn't always easy. <laughs> yeah, and it's probably not going to seem easy even looking ahead, although it'll be just a different kind of thing that's ahead. Right? Yeah, it's just all different. It's all new and different. This is great. I mean, this is another chapter in my life. Oh, there's that bad <laughs> metaphor. Everyone's going, oh, oh, no. Everyone's rolling their eyes simultaneously. But no, I do think of it as a new chapter in my life because, you know, this book is done. I'm starting a new job. I'm meeting new, you know, I'm living in a new city. And, and you know, if I get my... Uh, stuff together, you know, I'll be getting married soon and stuff. So it's a, it's definitely exciting. Is there the future going to be a barbecue? Exciting. Is there going to be a I, I'm be? telling, I'm saying this right now. If my friends could somehow get their stuff together and throw me a surprise wedding, I would really, really appreciate it. I don't want to know about it. I just want to show up and then everyone yells surprise and then we get married. That would be my ideal wedding. And Gus is fine with that too. Yeah. I don't really care. What, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Gus, if you're listening, of course Nami cares. Oh, uh, and the only thing I want is like a, an Elvis impersonator. That's all I want. That's all I ask for. I don't know why. It, maybe it could coincide with the Ypsilanti, you know, Elvis yeah. festival or something. You could be like, the, the f- place could be mad with them. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's too much. <laughs> oh, Nami. Well, thank you so much for being on Living Writers today. Um, thank you so much for having me. And this was fun. We'll look, just look forward to the next time now. And um, and so, everyone, hopefully you had a chance to hear Nami at Shaman Drum. Uh, but if not, I'm glad you caught this program. And thanks for listening. Thanks to Alex Bell-Hodge uh, for engineering this afternoon. Yay, Alex. <laughs> thanks for streaming wherever you are, maybe Chicago, Seattle, Florida. Um, you've been listening to Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. Today, Nami Moon, Miles from Nowhere. ago, WCBN hit the road to follow the Michigan basketball team in New York City. And a shocker point one left. Michigan does show full court pressure. Ship, long outlet pass into the hands of Collison in the front court. Collison has it. Tough three, partially blocked. Bogan! A shocker in New York City. Michigan knocks off the number four team of the country. And they'll get Duke tomorrow night for a 2K Sports Classic Championship. Now in late January, WCBN ready to hit the road yet again as we make our journey through the Midwest. Later this week, we'll be in West Lafayette when Michigan battles 16th ranked Purdue. First up, a rematch with the Buckeyes in Columbus Wednesday night. And we are indeed on the road today. We got Rob and Andrew Caderas down there going to that place we don't speak of down in Ohio somewhere. 
And uh, it's bad weather down there, so we hope they get there safely. But they'll have the game tonight live on online. You can access that through ucaster.com. I think we'll have the link up on our blog, mazenblog.blogspot.com, which you can access through wcbnsports.com. Anyway, Rushi Vias here in studio with Jeremy Kreisberg. And before the game tonight, we'll talk a little bit about the game, which is going to start at about 6.30, an early game. It'll be live on the Big Ten Network, but of course you should tune in and listen to us online instead. Much better coverage. I like the uh, the Big Ten Network two-game coverage. We want to watch a couple of games. That's why you have the early games now with the 6.30, then the 8.30, 9 o'clock start. Yeah. But uh, of course... Turn it to WCBN. You turn down the volume on the Big Ten Network. Get both best of both worlds. Exactly. Be a nice night. Watch it, but have the TV on mute and put us on. Much better. Anyway, uh, I guess we'll start off and we'll talk a little bit about that game tonight. Michigan, of course, coming off a victory that snapped their three-game losing streak. They beat Northwestern at home on Saturday, and today going to Columbus to take on the Buckeyes that beat Michigan in Chrysler just a few weeks ago. And what was supposed to be a huge game, I mean, a sellout at Chrysler, packed house. I mean, they honored the 1989 National Championship team, but the performance by the basketball team really was flat and ended up in a loss. So and they're going to have to play a Buckeye team that I don't think they match up with, match up with too well tonight. Right, Jeremy? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I agree. And, of course, we'll talk a lot about B.J. Mullins and the presence he has inside against 